Coming up on today's episode of The Virtual Couch, we're going to talk about what do you say when somebody comes to you after they've been through something pretty traumatic. I know that we all want to help. We all mean well. But do you ever find that you're, hey, you know, it's really not as big a deal as you think, or hey, I know exactly what you're going through, or, you know, it could have been a lot worse, seems to fall flat on the person that's come to you in, in this time of need. If that's the case, you're not alone. That's more than likely the response that you get. So today I want to talk about what do you say when somebody comes to you after experiencing a pretty traumatic event? So we're going to talk about that and plenty more coming up on today's episode of The Virtual Couch. Hey, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to episode 213 of The Virtual Couch. I am your host, Tony Overbay. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. Certified Mindful Habit Coach, Writer, Speaker, Husband, Father for Ultra Marathon Runner, and creator of The Path Back, an online pornography recovery program that is helping people reclaim their lives from the harmful effects of pornography. If you or anybody that you know is struggling to put pornography behind them once and for all, and trust me, it can be done in a strength-based, hold the shame, become the person you always wanted to be way, then head over to pathbackrecovery.com, and there you will find a short ebook that describes five common mistakes that people make when trying to overcome pornography uh, once and for all. Again, that's pathbackrecovery.com. And keep those cards and letters coming. You can, uh, you can send questions to contact at tonyoverbay.com at any time that you like. I've talked about doing question and answer episodes before, and I, I have a lot of questions, and I've been thinking a lot about doing an episode where, uh, where I answer a lot of these. So if you have any other questions, therapy-related, anything that you've heard on the virtual couch, I would love you to send those to contact at tonyoverbay.com. And I, I also have been receiving a lot of uh, podcast ideas lately for shows, and, um, and I, I really do want to get to them. So send me anything that you've got like that or examples that you have in your relationship, your marriage, that uh, you feel are challenging, that you would love to maybe have broken down on a future episode of The Virtual Couch. Again, contact at TonyOverbay.com. And if you have a minute, stop by TonyOverbay.com and sign up to find out more about upcoming programs. I mentioned this a week or so ago. I have a very, very exciting um, marriage program on how to how to have a magnetic marriage, how to communicate better in your marriage that is coming up very, very soon. So uh, go sign up right now at TonyOverbay.com and you'll be the first to know more about it, but you're going to hear plenty about it in the not too distant future. And then you can find the virtual couch on Instagram or Tony Overbay licensed marriage and family therapist on Facebook. So last week, and I, and I want to get right to the show today. So last week I talked about trauma from the book, the body keeps the score. And I received a, a, some wonderful positive feedback from that episode in particular, some of the things that I mentioned around people's attachment types or attachment style. So I would love for you to go back and review that if you are, if you haven't listened to that episode, it, uh, it digs deep into a lot of things around our childhood and, uh, and a lot of how that causes us to feel, whether it's this, uh, this kind of withdrawn attachment style or insecure attachment style. And, and some of the feedback that I received around attachment styles around that episode had to do with people having a bit more empathy for their spouse or a sibling or maybe a parent or there were actually a client or two in my office that talked about that episode, that episode giving them a better idea of what empathy really means, especially in the context of their kids and what their kids' experience might be from the person sitting in front of me, my client's parenting style. And I don't know if, if you're a parent, if you think about that often. I mean, I think we all have these moments where we wonder, am I really messing up my kid? And, and I know that you're trying your best. And in that book, The Body Keeps the Score, kind of talked about that, especially the episode last week, where it talked a lot about, you know, 
unfortunately, we're, we're kind of working out a lot of our own attachment issues from our childhood in our parenting. And so sometimes we are aware of that. Sometimes we're not as aware of that. But uh, if you have those thoughts, if you have those feelings, you're human. I mean, that's what we that's what we kind of do. And just being able to think about what am I how am I uh, parenting my kids is a big step because at least you have some awareness there. But I digress. So let's uh, this kind of brought up a really interesting situation or a question that I run into often. And when I say often, I mean about every day. And I feel like I was really seeing it consistently over the past week or two. I know that's that concept of confirmation bias that once you uh once you decide that i don't know I, I have a mini cooper and once you have a mini cooper then all of a sudden you see wow there's a ton of people with mini coopers that's that confirmation bias so i feel like once this idea that was brought up last week um on this on the podcast episode uh, i really started seeing over and over again this question where people are not quite sure how to respond in situations where someone comes to them and, and someone has just found out some pretty devastating news or there's been trauma or, and you know, we could kind of apply this in general of when people come to us and, and ask questions, why can it be so difficult when we want to just give them advice when we're coming from a good place, we really mean well, but they don't necessarily take our advice or, or they, they might respond negatively when we really are just trying to be there for that person. So, so let's just say that somebody has found out some pretty devastating news and, um, I mean, it could be, it could be a lot of things. It could be the death of a loved one. Uh, it could be the loss of a job. It could be the betrayal of a spouse. It could be finding out that, um, I don't know, like a job opportunity that somebody had been counting on financially or, uh, I mean, now that I'm thinking about it, uh, thinking about all these other situations that, uh, that have come up recently with people, um, it could be counting on a refinance of a home to pay off a crippling amount of debt, or it could be learning, that you soon may be finding yourself unsure of where you're going to be laying your head at night um, in, in just a matter of days or, or in another case, a matter of weeks. Or it can be coming to terms with the fact that your spouse may, in fact, be the narcissist that you had always feared that he or she was, despite how hard you have tried to find the right way to explain to them how hurt you feel. And every time you do, they find a way to turn it back on you without taking ownership for their own part of the problem. Or, or you might be learning that uh, that true empathy might be a challenge for your spouse, but but bless their heart, despite their best efforts, they don't even know what they don't know, meaning you feel like you can understand where they're coming from. But uh, I don't know, like they just dig in their heels and they say that, no, you're the one that needs to change. And uh, and please understand that if you come into my office or you work with me, you might feel like right now I'm talking about you in particular. And trust me, I'm not. As I'm reeling off these scenarios, I feel like there are multiple people in multiple situations that come to mind. Because this is the reality of life and it can be messy and it can be complicated and there are a whole lot of moving parts and pieces. But, but so here's my message today. I know that friends and loved ones and pastors and bishops and best friends forever and siblings, they all mean so well when somebody that they care about is hurting, when somebody that they have watched go through just a lot in their life comes to them crying or angry or frustrated or suicidal or even just saying, what do I do? So if you're that friend or family member, or you're in that role where somebody you care about is coming to you asking you, what do I do? Let me, uh, let me offer a bit of professional advice. You, you listen. Um, you, you listen and you empathize. You ask questions. And, uh, and I want to give examples of that. So here, here are some of it. And, and again, I want this to come from a place of love from me, the therapist, 
not a place of, uh, what are you thinking trying to tell somebody that it's going to be okay and, and you're going to get over this? And of course, that's what we want to say. And of course, that's where we're coming from because a lot of times we don't know what to say. And, and we do know that in the long term, sure, things are most likely going to work out, whatever that means, that, that time is going to continue to march on and things are going to settle. Things are going to work out. And I know that those of us who are put in these situations where people come to us and say, um, I'm so angry or I'm so mad or what do I do about this? We want to sound smart. We want to sound intelligent. We want to be that person for them. We want to be the person that has the, this, this wise advice. But uh, we'll get to that. But at first, really, you, I, I want to encourage you to listen. Because for many people, being vulnerable is really hard because they are sharing hard things. And, and we're so used to not always feeling safe sharing hard things that a lot of times when we come to the table with hard things to share, it is, it is wrapped up in pain. It's wrapped up in anger because we haven't had the best experiences in our life. It, pretty much any of us haven't of just casually bringing up things that are difficult because typically the person we're bringing those up to is having their own experience with what, what we're bringing up. If we say, you know, I, I really am frustrated by the way that, uh, that you handled that with the kids. I mean, it's not uh, your spouse isn't normally going to respond and say, oh, tell me more about that. No, they're going to say, well, I don't really like the way you handled it either. So we are so used to it's ingrained in us. It's almost become this habitual pattern that when we are bringing vulnerability to the table, again, it is it is cloaked and, and, and wrapped in just anger and fear and all kinds of pain. So, again, when somebody is going to be vulnerable with with some difficult things that they're going through, trauma that they're going through. Be prepared that it's going to come wrapped in pain. And that is your time to go zen. That is your time to take a nice, deep, centering breath and just be ready. Be ready to listen and be there for them. And, and here's some examples of what that might sound like. It's honestly, it's like, I, I am so sorry that you're going through this. I, I can't even imagine what that would be like. Um, and my favorite is, I tell me more about it. I want you to feel like you have just got every bit of what you're feeling inside out. And I just want to listen. I'm not going to try to fix. I'm not going to try to judge. Um, other examples. Wow. That, that stinks. I was going to say sucks, but in my house, that was a, a bad word for a while growing up, but that, that really stinks. Or I, I hate that this happened for you. I wish you didn't have to go through this or, you know, that must be so hard. And, and again, I can't even imagine what you're going through. Because I feel like amazing, good, well-meaning people often feel like they have to have some sage words of advice chambered for those tuning to them in their times of, of need, when in reality, people need to be heard in order to even think about being healed. Well-meaning people love to say things like, uh, we've probably all been here too, I know exactly what you're going through. I mean, we, we like to say that. And, and let me just take a quick step back. I've beat this drum so many times that I worry that people will just fast forward through this part. But empathy, true empathy is trying all you can do to get in that person's shoes. Can you do that? No, you cannot have perfect empathy. I mean, it's impossible because the person that you're sitting across from or you are the only person that has ever walked the face of the earth that has been through everything that you have been through. Nature, nurture, birth order, DNA, abandonment, rejection, fear, loss, hope, all of those things. That's you. That, so, so for somebody to try and have empathy is amazing. 
but but just understand that you know we we when we when we say these things like I know exactly what you're going through, you don't. And and all that does is that that causes the person who just put this out on the table, who just kind of handed their heart over to you, and you just say, "No, I, trust me, I know exactly what you're going through." What they don't feel like, oh, this person knows exactly what I'm going through. No, all of a sudden they feel like, oh, this person didn't really hear me. So you know, and and I'm gonna be let me give some really good examples of uh, I'm gonna try to come up with a few of them here that are real. Um, you know, somebody will say, "Yeah, I know exactly what you're going through." You know, my husband did this, or my friend's aunt did that. I honestly still remember to this day, one of my most favorite people in the entire world had a parent pass away and they were met with a very well-meaning friend who said, I understand what you're going through because my aunt passed away a couple of years ago. And again, bless that person's heart. They mean so well, but does the person whose parent that they cared about and loved just passed, do they feel heard when someone tells them that a couple of years ago, an aunt had passed. I mean, again, we're not trying to take away from the person whose aunt passed a couple of years ago, but when this person is coming to them saying, I am so sad because of what just happened to me, they want to just be heard. They want to just know that they matter, that people care. Or I've heard that on more than one occasion, somebody might be struggling with issues of like a rebellious teen and a friend who maybe hasn't had children has compared that struggle with a challenge they've had with, with a pet or with their with their uh, their sister's kid, you know, um, and and it's just like my kid. And so, I again, I appreciate that person because they want to be there for the person that is opening up to them. But right now is just listen again. Bless their hearts. People want to help, and that's why I really hope this message is coming across as just a friendly bit of therapist advice, not as a way to make one feel bad. Because if it is making you feel bad, tell me more about that. What's that like for you? I am so sorry I have, I have caused you to feel like I am, uh, I am judging you because I really am not. I know exactly what you're going through. And now I'm kidding. Um, but again, bless their hearts. Oftentimes, the best thing that somebody can do is simply to say, I honestly don't even know what to say, but I'm here. I'm going to sit right here beside you and I'm going to listen. And if you want my opinion, I will try my best, but I know it's probably not going to be what you need right now. I remember, I remember opening up to my wife about uh, some things like this years ago as I was doing some nice training and therapy and going home and just feeling, you know, feeling a little bit like maybe I was overwhelmed at the end of a day or a long day of therapy or there'd been some, some pretty deep or heavy things that I was dealing with. And I would just go home and say, yeah, I'm kind of just feeling a little bit bummed right now. And I love that, you know, she wasn't saying to me, I know exactly what you're feeling. You know, this happened to me or this happened. She, she would just say at times, I'm right here, you know. And uh, I'm just going to sit right here on the couch beside you. And if I, if you need anything, just let me know. And it got to the point where I knew, I knew she was there for me. I knew she wanted to understand. I knew she would say, tell me more that it, it would pretty quickly snap me out of a funk. And so I feel like that's, you know, when somebody knows, when they know that they are cared about, when they know that they matter, when they know that that person is going to say, tell me more, then oftentimes they get through things a little bit faster. Hey, let me jump in here real quick. And I'm about to talk about something really cool, by the way. I went back after the episode and then cut in here in the middle to insert a very quick ad on BetterHelp about betterhelp.com slash virtual couch, which is uh, the the world of online counseling. But we're about to get to a really cool thing. Uh, Sneak preview. I'm about to talk about psychological reactants, which is one of the things I love talking about. But before I get to psychological reactants, if you are are looking for help, mental help, uh, mental health help, and uh, you have never been to a therapist, or if you've maybe not had the best experiences with a therapist, 
I would encourage you to try BetterHelp.com. Welcome to the world of online therapy. Um, like almost more than a million people now have, have turned to. The world of online therapy is growing at a phenomenal pace. And if you go to BetterHelp.com slash virtual couch, you can be connected and contacting and talking with a therapist within 24 to 48 hours. You can do it through email or text. You can meet weekly or you can set up whatever kind of a time frame you want. It's affordable. They offer a sliding scale for those who might not be able to afford counseling right now. And you can do it from the comfort of your own home, which is kind of a big deal right now as the world continues to shelter in place. So they have a, a, a vast amount of therapist counselors that are at your fingertips. They're all licensed therapists in your state. And if you're looking for acceptance and commitment therapy, which is something that I love, or, or whatever you're looking for, if you're struggling with anxiety or depression or OCD or um, of anything like that, betterhelp.com slash virtual couch has therapists there that can help. So try it again. You get 10% off your first month's uh, the cost of the first month of treatment by going to betterhelp.com slash virtual couch. What are you waiting for? Uh, you deserve to get some help today. All right, back to the show and let's talk about psychological reactants. So, so um, if you take a minute and think about a concept that, uh, that I talk about often, it's this term psychological reactants. And uh, it's one of my favorite phrases, favorite concepts. And psychological reactants is the instant negative reaction of being told what to do. And so it really comes into play here as well, because when someone is saying, hey, you just need to realize that uh, that we all go through hard things or, you know, you just need to do this or you just need to, you know, you need to know that uh, that it isn't as bad as you think. Or you need to know that that he really didn't mean what what he said, or you need to know that at least he's not as bad as this. Anything like that, we're going to have this psychological reactance, this instant negative reaction of being told what to do. And and remember, when I did a whole episode on reactants, it's it's innate. It is born within us. Psychologists believe that uh, this reaction, this instantaneous reaction, I mean it's there, it's present for even toddlers is pre-wired. Um you know, are, are are we born with a propensity to react to any freedom being limited? I mean that's kind of the belief. And and if so, um you know, what would that uh, evolutionary justification be for a tendency like that? There's an author named Jonathan Haidt who offers one explanation in a book of his called The Righteous Mind. He hypothesizes that psychological reactants evolved to avoid being dominated by an alpha male, which could help a collective survive. So it is within us. It is innate for us to push back when we are told, you just need to realize, you just need to know. This is a big part of why thought suppression doesn't work. When you are telling your own brain, don't think about the white elephant, your brain says, I'm thinking about it. What are you going to do about it? I mean, it's literally the, you know, the instant negative reaction of being told what to do. Instead, you know, in that scenario, it's, uh, hey, uh, brain, you can think about whatever you want, but I'm going to get back to doing the things that are in front of me or what's important to me. So when people go through difficult times in their life, they are often left feeling isolated or feeling alone or uh, oftentimes feeling very helpless. And this is when people want to know that they matter, that they, that they are hoping that somebody else cares about them that somebody will take interest in their struggles or, or their journey, what they're going through, that somebody will truly want to hear them, not fix them, that somebody will want to listen to them and not judge them, not tell them what they need to do differently or how they need to think differently. And this, again, is why it is so imperative just to listen. I mean, we don't even realize when we're putting off a fixing or a judgment tone because I know it could be coming from a good place. 
Um, when somebody says, I don't, I don't even know if I'm ever going to be able to heal. If you answer that with, yeah, you will. You can do hard things. Again, it is a wonderful, fantastic sentiment. And honestly, I'm with you. I know people can do hard things. I am in the business of helping people do hard things. But that healing will come after one feels heard. And so it's a little bit of a trust the process. It is just let that person just express things until they feel like they can't express anything else. And that is the time where then they might say, I don't know, am I, uh, you know, uh, maybe I'm being a little too difficult or hard on myself, or maybe I, maybe I, maybe I am going to be able to get through this because the more we say you need to get through this. And the more we say it's not as bad as you think it is, or the more that you say, um, Hey, it could have been worse. There's that psychological reactance dug in Our brain is like, no, it couldn't. No, I don't. No, I won't. So, so, so let me get a few more phrases that maybe can help. Um, things like, uh, asking, how are you feeling about everything right now? Or do you feel like your feelings are intensifying or are they lessening? Uh, and, and why tell me more about that or what has this been like for you? I want to be, or I want to make sure I understand again, tell me more or what I'm hearing is that you're, you're feeling scared or you're feeling alone or you're feeling hopeless or you're feeling angry. Is that right? You know, help me understand. Or is there anything else that you want to share? You know, I I think that most of us want to genuinely be encouraging and supportive when a friend shares difficult things with us, but too often we resort to just going right to fixing or judging, even when our intentions are good. Uh, Fixing can look like I would have, I would have done it this way Um, or judging. Well, why did you do it that way? Uh, You know, that, that doesn't sound very good. And again, those things may be well-intentioned, but rarely will it help the person sharing. I go back to a very real example that I guess is not uh, not right along the lines of trauma, but having a, a talking with a teenager client about um, about not wanting to take a, a, a math class as a senior, bringing his parents in, and all of them sitting on my couch, and the teenager saying, "I I, I don't want to take this math class." I mean, the, they've been fighting about this uh, as a family, and the parents immediately went into the you can do hard things. Um, I, I, I took math that, uh, I didn't like, uh, when I was your age, um, look how you did when you took this other class. And, and I kind of just said, Hey, uh, let's, let's just hear, hear the person out. Let's hear the teenager out. And in that scenario, the teenager said, I, I really struggle with math. You know, I, I don't pay a lot of attention. I barely made it by in the past. I know you've mentioned that I could get a tutor. I think a tutor is what I would need, but I've also overheard you and mom talking about, some financial things in the kitchen. And I do not want you to pay for a tutor. It sounds like we're, you know, we're struggling financially. The last thing I want to do is have you pay for a tutor when I know that, that you guys are, are struggling. And all I hear you talk about is finances. And it was such an amazing moment when the parents kind of just looked at each other and, and they just said, Oh my gosh. I mean, mean, we're, we're literally talking about, you know, investments. We're talking about uh, buying, I think it was like a timeshare or, or, I mean, basically like a, you know, a, a different, another place, so it wasn't that the finances were a problem. It was the, what, what do we do with the finances? What do we do with a little bit of extra money? So instead of, you know, th- that never would have got out had this, this, these parents not learned how to say, tell me more, tell me where you're coming from with that and not just jump to the, you need to understand, you know, or you can do hard, all those things that they meant well, but it's the seek first to understand. One of the most touching examples of this that I have, I know I have used before is, is a husband who came in once and he was a little bit frustrated as, um, I don't know, he'd had an agreement with his wife that she would do certain things during the day. He's off slaying the dragon working and he comes home. She's on her phone. Not a lot had been done. He got really upset with her. 
and uh, came to find out that her she had a friend, a very close friend, had passed away, and she had been looking through her phone trying to find pictures from a memorial. You know, if he had come in and, and said, hey, uh, tell me about your day. Tell me what's going on. And she had been able to open up. That would have changed the whole scenario. You know, it's a tell me more about that. Seek first to understand before being understood. So, again, that this approach, um, it doesn't mean that you can't be encouraging. I think that we simply need to be more mindful of how we approach it. So maybe instead of saying it will get better or here's what I would do, remind the person that you love them. Share what you admire about them. Help them see uh, that they are an amazing person who is worthy of love. I mean, you know, these are, these are examples people enjoy too. You, hey, you matter, or I'm in your corner, or I am, I am so proud of the way you're handling this, or simply, hey, just, I want you to just know I love you, or I'm, you know, I'm here, you're a warrior, you are brave, or you're strong, you're talented. So when it comes to empathy too, if you don't really feel as comfortable or as competent with this emotional empathy, actions often do speak louder than words. You can show your care by giving a hug, sending flowers, writing a handwritten note, um, offering to do tasks around the house, going to get somebody food, taking care of the laundry, babysitting the kids. There are things you can do that show, hey, I'm here for you. And when you do these things, the other person will often feel loved and often feel supported. Uh, but, but again, phrases, phrases work. I'm here for you. How can I help you? What do you need right now? I am happy to listen anytime. And, and I think those are some amazing things. I found a, a pretty, uh, pretty good article. I don't know this person, but it's uh, from a website called Jesse Buyer International, and uh, it says things not to say when trauma, when, when, when someone's trying to heal from trauma. So I'll put a link to this article um, from Jesse in the show notes, but I love what she says. Uh, first thing she says is, I know what you're going through. She says, um, no, you don't, unless you went through the exact, and I mean exact same trauma, and have the same physiological and psychological makeup as your friend or family member, you don't. You don't know what they're going through. And saying this can seem like you're minimizing the effect of that trauma. You know, the, oh, it's no big deal. I went through the same thing. For the survivor, this trauma is incredibly important and incredibly hurtful. And even more importantly, it's their trauma. So while they may not want to be doing it this way, their own experiences and their own emotions are how they are processing this. And don't take that away from them. Um, she says, uh, the next one she, she said is uh, people when they say, I'm sorry for you. She says, when you tell somebody healing from a trauma that you're sorry for them, you're, you're labeling them as a victim and somebody that's requiring sympathy. Uh, her advice is, she says, they're stronger than, than imaginable um, for surviving a trauma and coming out on the other side. So furthermore, uh, she said, people like law enforcement, medical professionals may already be labeling them as a victim, and they may be labeling themselves as one too. And, and so, you know, if we kind of step back and think of a victim mentality, victims traditionally are looked at as weak or helpless or need of saving and uh, not a not a really pretty or productive mindset to have. And, uh, and Jesse says potentially quite embarrassing. So don't add to that label by indirectly calling them a victim. You can be I, I'm so sorry that you are going you have to go through this or or that sort of thing. But I appreciate what she's saying of, you know, I'm sorry for you is that uh, that, can re- that can leave someone feeling a bit more like a victim. Um, here's one that I hear often. It could be worse. She says, how is this helpful? If anybody out there thinks this is helpful to say to somebody, she said, please get in touch with me because I want to have a discussion with you about this. You know, similarly, similar to telling somebody that you know what they're going through, telling them that it could be worse tells them that their emotions and reactions are over the top and unwarranted. Every individual responds to trauma differently, and every response is absolutely okay so it is, she says, it's utterly useless to compare the severity of trauma. Um, she said, 
A favorite saying of mine goes something like this. The person who drowned in one foot of water and the person who drowned in 20 feet of water are both dead. Any trauma survivor is hurting, struggling, and trying to heal. It doesn't matter whose trauma was worse. Um, that The other one she said is uh, the concept of when she said, it'll be okay. She, say, she said, it, it might not, or it might not be for a while, and that is okay. Saying this to somebody does one of two things, or she says perhaps both. First of all, it can place an imaginary timeline on their healing. I really love that she, uh, she said that. Um, some people recover from a traumatic incident in a week, and some people take 20 years. Every individual needs to work through the healing process at their own pace. And if they're not okay for the 20 years, it's okay too. And secondly, telling a survivor of trauma that that implies that everything goes back to normal after they heal, sometimes it doesn't. Uh, most of the time it doesn't. Going through something very deep and emotional, well, it can change a person. And while, um, and she says that, you know, she, uh, she has some additional articles that talk about the specifics of that and that the person isn't always the same at the other end, that's okay too. And I will throw my therapist spin on that is that I really do believe that we will grow. I mean, we will grow from trauma. It's not what we signed up for. I've had people in my office that have grown through uh, very painful things where they've then learned how to communicate better with a spouse or they've learned how to set better boundaries or they've learned, okay, I am, I need, I can take charge of my own life or my own happiness. And so those things often are born from trauma. Um, I think she has one more in here, a couple more. She said, they didn't mean to hurt you. I'm glad she addressed this one. She said, this is probably the most irrelevant thing that you could say to somebody healing from a trauma. She said, I don't mean to be harsh by saying that. But she said, I don't care if someone meant to give someone a thousand pounds of gold and accidentally dropped it on their head. The person is still hurt. The same thing applies to trauma. The focus of the healing journey should not be on the intention of the person who caused the trauma, but on the reaction of the person who experienced the trauma. There's really no other way to phrase this. She said, it doesn't matter what the person who caused the trauma intended, whether they're a good person or not, the person who experienced the trauma is deeply hurt. And she said, and you as the person helping them through the trauma would be smart to remember that distinction. Uh, she says um, the phrase, get over it. She said, I'm hoping that none of you out there would think this is a good thing to say to somebody. But sadly, many people have experienced this reaction from somebody that they're close with. This not only deeply harms the healing journey of that trauma survivor, the, the journey they're going on, but it can put up a giant brick wall between you and the trauma survivor. By telling them this, you're telling them that their feelings are too dramatic and they're taking too long to deal with what happened to them. Um, again, remember, every journey is unique. And, and we have no idea how far along somebody is, how hard they fought to get where they are um, without being them. And we're not them. And uh, and she also says, you know, the phrase, come on, you should really talk about it. She said everybody processes their trauma at their own rate. And having you sit there bugging them to talk about it could force them to speak when they're not ready or push them away. A key point in trauma healing is to go at the survivor's pace, whether you're the therapist or a friend or family member just trying to help. Pushing them to take a step before they're ready could be anywhere from impossible to destructive. And uh, she also, I, I like this one too. She, the last thing she mentioned was people that say, you should, you should do, or you should try. And, and this is me adding this part that no one likes to be should on. But she said, your best role as a friend or family member is to be there and support them, not to give them advice on how to heal. And uh, she says, if you don't have training as a psychological or psychiatric professional, you're not qualified to give them advice. And, and I appreciate that, Jesse. And even as a qualified uh, mental health professional, that that even what, what does advice look like? I mean, we got to understand where they're coming from and where they're at in this trauma healing process. So she said, even if you've been through a trauma healing process yourself, there's no guarantee that, that what worked for you will help them. And you truly do run the risk of harming their healing process. 
So thank you, Jesse Beyer International. I think that was a perfect way to wrap up this episode today. So I hope you took this from a place of love. That is exactly where it was meant to be. And it, whether you are one who has been through a traumatic incident or whether there is one, someone that has, has been there as the friend of someone who's going through trauma. And if you haven't, hang on to this episode because there's no doubt that you're going to experience this at some point in your life. And I feel like this is one of those episodes that please share it with people that are going through hard things or people that are that are in the lives of people that are going through hard things because I think this is so imperative to help the healing of the person going through the trauma. Hey, so thank you so much for hanging in there with me today. I hope this has been a beneficial episode. Um, please, again, pass it along to anybody that you feel it could uh, it could help. And, uh, and if you just have a quick second, um, I would love it if you have a chance to, to, to review, subscribe, or rate the podcast. That really does go a long way in getting messages like this out to more people. And with that said, have an amazing week, and I will see you next time. Uh, oh, and we'll take you away with the wonderful, the talented Aurora, Flor- uh, Aurora Florence and her song, It's Wonderful. And uh, we'll see you next time on The Virtual Couch. Compressed emotions flying past Our heads and out the other end The pressures of the daily grind It's wonderful Elastic waste and rubber ghost I'm floating past the midnight hour They push aside the things that matter most It's wonderful